living stones. How you doing? Welcome. Glad you're here. Vern has his. Do you have yours? If you failed to pick up a living stone last week, actually this is just a dead rock. But it's to remind you to be a living stone. Stop by the Welcome Center. And this is to encourage you to remember that God has given to us a higher purpose. A purpose that goes beyond all that the world can offer. A purpose that allows us to have an abundant life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Have you noticed living stones around us? I've seen several of them. Living stones. These are living stones. And here's some more living stones. I love these living stones. Students are living stones. Now, I have heard some of the parents describe their students a little differently, but they're living stones, parents. Remember that. Children are living stones. This is prayer meeting. We meet together as living stones. So don't be a dead rock. Be a living stone. We're working on a couple of verses in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. But these verses come out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Let's read or quote these verses together. I'll give the reference. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. 5 is on the next slide. And let's just read the verses together this morning. Here we go. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Don't be a dead rock. Be a living stone. Now, who are these living stones? Peter identifies them in chapter 1. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, will you please? 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to read for you the first five verses. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In my scripture text, there is an exclamation point after that. And so it would be appropriate for me to say, and God's people said... Say that with some enthusiasm, will you please? Amen. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. According to the great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. These are the living stones. These are the elect, the exiles. 
These are the ones who've been sanctified in the Spirit, who've been obedient to Jesus Christ. These are the ones who, by the foreknowledge of God, have become part of the family of God. These are ones who recognize that they're not living, but they're permanent residents. Now, last week we talked about exiles. And this morning we read where the exiles are from. They are from Asia Minor. Asia, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia, Pontius. And last week we talked about who these exiles were. These exiles are people who in a very special way exist in a foreign land. They're people that expect to return home, who are embedded in another culture. They are people who long for another country and who are elect but not forgotten. That's who these folks are. You know, you and I live in the United States of America. I don't know where you're from, but you're probably from some place that's identified on this map. You know, you're in exile. Now, that is different from an illegal alien. All right? I want you to know that. We are sojourners, we are strangers. We're not illegal, but this isn't where we live. This is not our permanent home. This is not what we're looking forward to. Let me give you a challenge this afternoon. Read Hebrews chapter 11, will you please? It's that great hallmark of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abraham longed for a country. A country whose maker was God. Are you longing for that country this morning? Are you looking for that country whose maker is God? Now, God made this world, right, and all that is in it. And when God finished with creation, he said it was good. I want you to know this morning that everything that God makes is good. We studied that Wednesday night. And it's a good principle for us to make sure we're standing on. Everything that God does is good. In fact, he takes other stuff and works it together for good, according to his purpose but in genesis chapter 3 things changed man disobeyed god and we have the curse entering that which god made which was good there were some consequences of that curse you'll remember them the serpent he was to crawl on his belly the rest of his days Maybe that's why I don't like snakes. That's my one phobia. That's one of my phobias. The woman was to have pain in childbirth. And the man was to work by the sweat of his brow. Thistles and thorns were going to grow up in the earth. That's all part of the curse. But one day, folks, we're going to get to go home and that curse is no longer going to affect us. Amen? Amen. Last week I quoted a, an old chorus. This world is not my home. Remember that? I thought you'd remember it if I reminded you. Judy, Debbie, come, we're going to sing it this morning, all right? Two stanzas of this wonderful Stamps-Baxter chorus. Now, Stamps means you might want to tap your foot. That's okay. All right? You might want to clap your hands. That's okay. You know, a little bit of life in this service wouldn't be a bad deal. 
living stones, right? Okay? So, so let's see. Can we have an intro, ladies? See what I mean? Here we go. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Clapping is when you take one hand and you take the other hand and you bring them together and they make noise, all right? I see some of you back there just going, it's okay. We're going to sing a second stanza, all right? They're all expecting me. Amen? Here we go. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. My Savior pardoned me. Bye. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. said we're exiles this world is not my home and there's something a whole lot better prepared for me now are you still in first peter chapter one the scripture describes us as being elect exiles and it's real important that we understand what that means it has to do with our salvation. Now, sometimes there is tension in Scripture. There are God things that are difficult for us to comprehend. The Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, one in God. I don't know how that can happen, but I believe it because God said it, and that's okay. Creation. How in the world did this planet come into being? Well, the Bible says, God said. I don't get that. The incarnation. God became man and dwelt among us. Now, I might kind of understand that, except the scripture says it happened by a virgin birth. That I don't comprehend the resurrection for this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where's thy sting oh grave where's thy victory the sting of death is sin the strength of sin is law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ now, i don't get it but i know it's true the rapture of the church 
I show you a mystery, right? And one day there's going to be the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. And it makes no difference that I pre-planned my funeral. They can keep it. It's hard for me to understand the new heaven, the new earth. I don't know what it would be like to live in a world without weeds. I work real hard on having a yard that doesn't have weeds. But can you imagine not having to fertilize? Eternity. What is that? Somebody said, how'd your week go? I said, it was a good week. They said, were you busy? Well, I wasn't bored. Eternity. It's about that. And one of the other concepts that are, is difficult for me to comprehend is, is this concept of elect. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are predestined. And here, Peter is saying, we are elect, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God. The pulpit commentary says, says this, Holy Scripture constantly ascribes all that is good in us to the choice or election of God. The sacred writers do not enter into, into the many difficulties which lie around this central doctrine. They do not attempt to explain its relations to that of other great truth taught in Scripture. The freedom of human will, the revealed consciousness of God, are two statements, apparently conflicting doctrines, but balance. But the writers of Scripture do not explain one or the other. They seem to recognize the fact that we are in the presence of an insoluble mystery and they teach us by their silence that the proper attitude of the Christian when brought face to face with mystery is to rest in the Lord hum with humble childlike confidence in his love and in his wisdom. Elect. Elect exiles. Now in order for us to to begin to comprehend this, we have to start with salvation. Because that's what election's all about, isn't it? Being part of the family of God. And so we need to begin to recognize something about salvation and how God has given to us the opportunity to have a personal relationship with him. The Bible tells us that as many as receive Christ, to them are given privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Part of the family of God. And that truth is given to us throughout Scripture. But not only do we have a personal relationship with God, we are people who are kept by God. And that's all about God. I want you to underline that. So, in order for us to recognize salvation... We're going to start with this personal relationship with God. And we need to know that salvation begins and ends 
in God. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus chapter 3 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. We'll see mercy in this text. According to his mercy hath he saved us. Now, it is true that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We'll read that here in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. And that Jesus Christ is the satisfaction for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. But it's also true that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Peter preached it this way in Acts chapter 4. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation begins and ends with God. I can't buy it. I can't earn it. I can't get it in any way from my own merit. It is a free gift of God. Amen. That ought to encourage you this morning. You're here this morning, and you know Jesus Christ's personal Savior. God gave you the greatest gift that he, anybody could ever give you, and that is the privilege to become one of his children. And salvation is all of God. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, I'm not sure I understand all of that. But I do know this. It all began with God's mercy. Did you see that in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's mercy, God not giving to you, God not giving to me what we do deserve. I don't deserve to be saved. God didn't get a good deal when I got saved. God was not bettered, nor his family improved when I became part of the family. I am like Paul, in me dwelleth no good thing. How about you? Every year I have an annual physical. And some years ago, a friend of our family was our doctor, Bradford Morelli. And I would go to Dr. Morelli and get my annual physical and he would call me afterwards with the results. They'd take blood in the office and they'd go through all of that stuff. They'd do an electrocardiogram, make sure the ticker's working. He'd have me walk on my toes, make sure my balance. He'd put his hand out there and he'd go, Tom, take your finger and touch your nose. I don't have any clue why he did that, but he did it. And he'd call me. He said, he said, Tom, I want you to know 
We've looked outside, we've looked inside, and you're just fine. And I thought, Doc, you haven't looked inside near deep enough because I'm not fine. Now, he was talking physically, and I was talking spiritually. And he was a great charismatic Catholic. Love Dr. Morelli. But in me dwelleth no good thing. And I realize that every day of my life. And it's by the mercy of God God giving to me what I do not deserve that I got saved. Amen? Amen. Now, not only that, I am kept by the great power of God. Jump down to verse 5, will you please? Who by God's power are being guarded. Don't you like that verse? Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. In the last day. God's power guards my salvation. I have a confession to make to you this morning. Some of you may have seen me leave the front of the worship center and go to the back. I had to go because I didn't have my living stone in my pocket. And I had to get one out of the basket. I couldn't even keep track of my own living stone. But God keeps track of my salvation. And I give unto them, John chapter 10, eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, right? Now, there are some who believe based on our conduct, we can lose our salvation. I would ask them a couple of questions. Number one, once you're born, can you ever be unborned? There were times when I wanted to take my kids out. But I knew if I did that, I'd never get them back. And that probably was my incentive to keep them around. Hmm? And number two, is it eternal life or is it not eternal life? Is it eternal life or is it temporary life? And I give unto them eternal life. Now, that's all because of who God is, not because of who we are. Now, I want to balance that very quickly by saying once you're one of God's child, you need to live like a living stone. Do you remember what the verses said? Offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And that's not just being in church and singing songs. Peter is going to tell us a little bit later. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust and your ignorance, but as he who is holy has called you, so be ye holy in all manner of life, because it's written, be ye holy for I'm holy. That's what God's kids do. Perfect? No. Forgiven? Yes. But working on it. Sanctified by the Spirit? We'll talk about that in a moment. So we need, as we look at this election stuff, we need to start with the understanding that it begins and ends of God. Now, salvation 
is also balanced by this thing that is called free will. If it weren't for free will, Adam and Eve had not, would not have sinned. But God gave them a choice. And God gives you and me a choice. And how is that free will to be exercised? Look back at verse 2, will you please? Elect, verse 1, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. That's how that free will comes into play. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God says, if you will believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Now you have a choice. Not what we do. But you have a choice. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Have you believed on his name and been saved? That's that free will stuff. Now, I don't understand the balance. I don't know why God did it that way. But I do know that God predestined, elected the truth in my life so that I would respond and trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Someone describes salvation as a door. It could be this door. And on the outside of the door it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name shall be saved. Amen? Isn't that what Scripture says? But as many as received him, to them become the... To them, you're given the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name, right? Amen. And you open the door, and you go through, and the light comes on. And on the back side of the door, it says, I have chosen you, I have elected you, I have predestined you from the foundation of the world. Amen? Now, I don't get all that. But I do know. That that is a truth of God. Well, I'm glad I did that without pinching my fingers. And it is God's truth in our lives that makes a difference. Now, Peter says that this election is according to the foreknowledge of God. This election is according to the foreknowledge of God. Have you ever thought about God's omniscience? Have you thought about what God knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I don't know, right? And you don't know what you don't know. Have you ever thought about that as far as God is concerned? What does God know? God knows what he's going to do. Amen? God knows exactly what. There is nothing that takes God by surprise. God is not some kind of supreme sovereign chess player that reacts to someone else's moves. You ever play chess? You ever play checkers? Somebody makes a move and you react to that, right? Based on their move, you just, got, you just decide what you're going to do. That's not God. God knows what he's going to do because he knows what man's going to do. 
No, he didn't react to that. He already knows. And God, in a very special way, knows how it all fits together in salvation. That's his foreknowledge. That's the omniscience of a sovereign God. There are the three big O's in life, right? God's omnipotence. You ever argue that in your mind? Seminary students used to argue, can God make a rock that he can't move? No, he's all-powerful. He can do anything. There's omnipresence, right? God is everywhere all the time. I don't get that one. I'm only here. And even though I'm here, I'm not all there. Boy, am I glad I didn't get an amen. Thank you very much. Thanks, Terry. And God's omniscience. Think about it. God's foreknowledge is based on his complete knowledge, which is omniscient knowledge. And in salvation, it is God's power that guards our salvation. It is God's power that guards our salvation. I like to think of someone standing at attention, not allowing anything to happen that would destroy God guards our salvation. Now, can God keep you? Yes. Can God direct you? Can God provide for you? Can God make a way that you're going to get to heaven? Yes, through his son, Jesus Christ. And we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, how do we know all this? Verse 2, are you still in First? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And look at this, sanctified in the Spirit. The word sanctification there is the word hagias. It means set apart. Hagaeho means holy. And so we can say we are set apart to be holy. And it is the sanctification of the Spirit that works in our lives. It is the Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, that has sealed us unto the day of redemption. Amen? We are set apart by the Spirit of God. And do not discount the power of the Spirit of God working in our lives. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Holy Spirit guides and directs us into all truth. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. The Holy Spirit, we are set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. We are obedient, Right? We are obedient to Christ. And it is that obedience. When we understood that we needed to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and God put that in our heart, we responded to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, 
that it's all according to his grace and mercy, the end of verse 2. May grace and mercy be multiplied to you. God's grace, God giving to us what we do not deserve, his mercy. Not giving to us what we do deserve, and his peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is confidence in the midst of the conflict. My peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give it unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen? So we are elect. Although we are in exile, we are elect. And it is the wonder of God working in our lives keeps us as our hearts and minds are guarded through Jesus Christ. I hope that encourages you today. And you may not leave any more theologically astute than you came in here, but join the club. There are a lot of things we don't understand that are God things. And I'm content to leave them with him. Because everything God does is good. Everything God does is good.